the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As we move through the holiday season, it's good to be reminded of obedience, as we'll see next. From the well, a Christian community in Livermore, California. Hi there, and welcome to Times of Refreshing. The beauty of obedience is the subject of our time today. We're in 1 John chapter 2, and really, from God's perspective, nothing is sweeter than obedience. In fact, at one point, God even says, I despise sacrifices, just obey me. There is a high priority for obedience, and along with that obedience comes amazing beauty, as we're seeing out of 1 John chapter 2. Join us, won't you? Here's our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman, with today's broadcast of Times of Refreshing. Your acts of obedience is going to place you in a position of familiarity when you stand before him. Okay? Because he's revealing himself progressively to you um, as you journey through this life and as you step out in obedience to him. He's revealing yourself. So some people are going to be ashamed of the Lord as his coming. Because they, they don't know him. They didn't get a revelation of who he is. But for us, it should be, we should be so familiar with him because we've spent so much time developing our relationship on the earth. And our acts of obedience have given us a glimpse, a more of a glimpse of who he is. It's always been amazing to me that the Lord was walking upon the face of the earth. And for the majority of people, they didn't even know who he was. John the Baptist knew. He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He had revelation of who he was. His obedience tied him to revelation. His purpose tied him to revelation. So he wasn't confused. And he started pointing people to him. That's him. Most people are like, who is that? And so for us, for some people, we can hang around the church, but we don't know God because we refuse to be obedient to God. And then when we have to stand before him, Instead of us being, yes, Lord, finally, I'm here. I made it. I'm here with you. I'm so grateful. And this is the reality. Some people, it's going to be foreign to them. No obedience. Look what he says here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 to 11. Therefore, he says, therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your conscience. This is important because I love the Apostle Paul. He says that he made it his aim to be well-pleasing. 
And I want to say this as, as senior elder in this church. That's, that's the thing that, for me, has always been on my mind. We plant this church. We go through the process. We've been here you know, 15 years next year. 15 years. And the thing that I'm constantly thinking about is, are we doing what we're doing and is God happy with it? That's the thing that, I, I mean, I love people. You know, people can be fickle, y'all. Y'all know. And so if you start, you start basing your success solely on the basis of how people think about you and how they feel about how church is, then you're, you're going to be way off the mark. Remember, the church isn't ours. It's God's. And we're stewards. So my question is, are we doing what we're doing? Is it pleasing our chief apostle? Does it make him happy? Well, pastor, I think our cheeks need to be blue. And I think, you know, you guys need to, you know, I think our, you know, this needs to, why did you paint it this color? And, and why don't you get a different stage? And, and why don't you have a cross around here? And why don't you have a this? And what is this? And yeah. Everybody's got all these opinions. But I've never, I've never said, I've never, you know, I've never heard a person come to me and say, well, pastor, why don't you pray and just ask God to see what God wants? Maybe that's a good question. And that's the thing that we have to, all of us, you know, how does God feel? I want to do things and I want to make it my aim, whether present or absent, to be pleasing to him. Okay, what is, how does he, well, you know, at this church they're doing that. Well, that's not, maybe, that's not what God's saying to us. Well, this is, this will be more popular. Well, that's not what God's saying to us. Well, this will bring more people. Well, that's not what God's saying to us. This is going to make it more fun. Well, that's not what God's, well, why don't you bring some pizzas in here? Well, that's, why don't you have a, a giveaway, you know. I mean, we, this is all these things to, to bring people. And, and instead of, well, how about we get God? And then God will start drawing people. Can I have an amen, y'all? How about we get God in here and then God starts drawing people? That's the mindset. But when we as pastors and leaders and and we start thinking about, well, how can, and it just becomes all focused on the people, then God is saying, what about pleasing me? Can I have an amen, y'all? What about God? How does he feel about our church services? How does he feel about us? How does he feel about you? How does he feel? What's on his mind? What is he thinking about? That's the thing that we have to get back to. The church has got so convoluted and we're so into trying to get people in the church that we've forgotten about God in the church. And then God says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door to me, I will come into him and him to me. It's like we're having services, but Jesus is saying, can I come in? You done cut the worship off. Now you're only worshiping for 15 minutes. You done cut everything off that involves me. You, you have services. You're not thinking about me. Can I preach on this this morning? Can I talk about it this morning? Because our obedience is going to give us more revelation. But brother, we only got five, 17 and a half minutes for worship. And then you have to stop. Well, what if Jesus doesn't show up? What if he, his presence never falls in the place? Brother, you can't preach on that. 
Stop talking about God so much. Try to use analogies with movies and, and other stuff. You know, the people there will understand that. Well, if you don't understand your Bible, if you don't understand this weapon right here, then you're going to be swinging, you're going to be swinging aimlessly. We got to get a glimpse of this. Well, brother, put all the scriptures up on the wall so everybody can see. And they don't have to bring their Bibles to church. What about God? God wants to hear a good message that comes from his book. Not a message that comes from watching, you know, some movie. Some melodrama. Pastor Kaufman, why don't you use more football analogies? You can draw some more Raider fans. Because the Raiders didn't save me. Jesus Christ did. Can I have an amen, y'all? And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We got to find out what's well-pleasing to him. Because look what he says here, saints. He says... He says here in verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one, he's talking to the church here, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God and also well known, uh, he says, in your conscience. You know, this is the reason why for all of us here, this, this judgment that he's talking about is not a judgment in regards to salvation. He's talking about in terms of your reward. That's why the Bible says that we should confess our sins because God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us for all unrighteousness. Confessing your sin before God cleanses your conscience and it makes your, it, it makes your standing right in terms of of, of sin that has been committed on the other side of the cross. I know this isn't a very popular message I'm talking about right here, but he says it right here in this Bible, that we must all, he's not talking to the world, he's talking to the church. So on the other side of the cross, we still have to maintain our relationship with God. We have to confess our sin. If he convicts us of something, we, Lord, please forgive me. I ask you to wash me and cleanse me. We can't just say, ah, God didn't see it. And then just keep on living sinful, even though we've accepted Christ into our lives. You have to remember that God's looking at us and he's saying, hey, listen, you're my son, you're my daughter now. You're still going to have to stand before me for the things that you've done, good or bad, if you don't get them right. So that's why he says in 1 John, he says, confess your sins. And if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So make it right. Stop trying to sweep it under the carpet. Say, Lord, you know what? I shouldn't have been watching that. Please forgive me and confess it. Because what happens is, is this. What happens is, is this. We think we just got away. But God said, wait a minute here. I gave you an opportunity to get it right. Now you don't carry some baggage up here with you. And we don't want to be ashamed that the Lord's coming. It's not a salvation issue. What we're talking about is, what we're talking about is, I got to appear before him. I want to make sure I make it right on the way. Can I have an amen, y'all? I want to make it right on the way. When the, the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin or disobedience, say, God, I confess my sin. I pray that you would forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. The problem that we have in the church is, is we've told everybody, once you got saved, then none of your sins matter anymore. 
And people with any kind of any kind of sense know you can't get saved and then keep living like the devil and then God just says, I didn't see it. Can I have an amen, y'all? We've got to make that right before God. That's why he convicts us. Make it right. Just get it right. I don't know about you, but when, I, when God convicts me, I've learned to, to repent quick. I don't say, well, God didn't see it. No, I just feel convicted over that. I feel convicted over what I just did. And that's the grief of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is not happy. I got to make that right. Lord, I pray that you would forgive me, that you wash my heart, my, cleanse me. I just confess it, and I ask that you would just take that out of my heart and continue to work on me. And then that's how you start really growing, y'all. Amen. Now watch this, and I'm going to move on from this point. What happens is, is this. We'll come to church, and we got all this baggage. Because we, we, you know, we love God. We're trying to do what's right. We keep stumbling. And then, but we won't make it right by confessing our sins before God and making it right. And then we come to church. And then you know how it is. It's hard to lift your hands and praise God when you know, man, I'm not living right. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's hard to shout hallelujah when you know Man, I shouldn't have been watching that last night. It's hard to dance. When you know, man, I shouldn't have went to the club last night. It's hard to shout. When you know, you and your wife had a heated conversation on the way to church. You trying. <laughs> Am I preaching this morning? You trying to get them up? You, uh, but but God is like. So you gonna shout now? So what we want? <laughs> so what we want to do is we want to make it right, and then we start shouting. We make it right, God. I'm, I was wrong. We take personal responsibility and accountability for our actions. We make it right before God. So then when you stand before Christ, he's not asking you about all this stuff that happened along the way. Can I have an amen, y'all? Because I don't know about you. I want to get to heaven, and I don't want any of my crowns gone. I want to make it right along the way. Can I have an amen? Now let's end with this. Now watch this. Let's go 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Okay. We're going to look at verses uh, 3 on down to 9. I want to please God. We want to be obedient to God. God reveals more of himself. Even what I was just talking about. When we confess our sin, then God comes in and cleanses us. That's more revelation of his ability and his power and his person. You don't walk around with a bunch of guilt and shame because you made it right before God. You see his forgiving power. Then you can talk to someone and say, man, God forgave me and cleansed me of this. I know he'll do the same because this is the kind of God that we serve. He revealed himself to me in this area. Look what he says here in chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 on down to 9. He says, for our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. 
But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak. Now look at this, y'all. Not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel, he says, of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you, for you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you, he says, the gospel. He says, and you are witnesses as in God also how devoutly, justly, and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believed. As you know how we exhort and comfort and charge every one of you as a father does his own children that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom, he says, in glory. You know, one of the things that happens here and I just wanted to draw from this passage of scripture is uh, I love how the Apostle Paul, he made it his aim to be pleasing to God. And that meant that sometimes he was not going to be pleasing to men. He didn't have a cloak for covetousness. He wasn't doing what he did out of an impure motive. He wasn't trying to impress anybody. The life that he lives, as you see here, and the way he proclaimed this message, it was clear that there was a purity about him that was clear. And right now, in the world and in Christendom, you know, it's when we start doing things and become self-driven and, and our motivation is self, then what happens is our, our motivation is becoming pure and now we're being driven by something and we're not being led by God. And we have to watch this. If your goal is just to become popular, your goal is just to become important. You know, importance is not, you know, just how how you're affecting people. You know, we've we got to stop putting our value on ourselves based on how many people we're impacting. It's not that. You know, for all of us here, your true value is found in God. Your value, and we have to change our value system because we've, we've made the minors the majors. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, we have to realize that Apostle Paul wrote a lot of these epistles while he was in prison. And he wasn't very popular. And, 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 and his life, if you watched it live out, it, he didn't, it didn't look like he was going to be something powerful. But 2,000 years later, we're still talking about him. And we're reading his epistles. And we're talking about his life. When Jesus went to the grave, they thought it was over. They just uh, got rid of him. Not knowing that the impact would, would span the globe and that he would be, for, for the, for, from endless ages, his name would be glorified and uplifted. They didn't think that when they put him into that tomb. So we have to stop. You know, we got to get out of this worldliness. 
And we have to stop thinking that our life is tied just to pleasing men. The Apostle Paul, he didn't look at it like this. And as a result of that, his obedience gave him more of a revelation of God. And as he's, as he's walking in obedience, he's having a greater impact. Sustained and long-term impact. Stop thinking that you've got to see the fruit and the fullness of what God has done in your life when you're alive. Sometimes, you're, sometimes what you did on this planet is not going to speak fully until you're gone. Can I have an amen, y'all? Sometimes it's going to be through what you said to somebody you didn't even know that you impacted somebody. You, it, it's going to be through your kids. It's going to be through your great, great, great grandkids. And they're going to say, you don't remember my great, great, great grandmother? She led us to Christ. And then this will happen. And now here I am doing this. And you can trace it all the way back to something that happened before you were even alive. You know what I'm saying, y'all? But we got to stop thinking that I got to find my, I got to have it all now. No, no, no. Some of the stuff, I praise God for the glimpses that God shows me now. But I, I my, my hope, my, my greatest impact does not become fully evident and clear until I'm gone. But that's not how we think. But why? Because our ego likes to get stroked a little. I want to see it. Well, no, wait, wait, wait. What, what if your great, great grandkids see, they see it. It says in the book of Hebrews that, the, that the, the children of Israel and the patriarchs, they didn't even see the promise because God had something greater in store for us. But they labored in faith. And then eventually, now they know. But, but, but their popularity wasn't what it is now. And for us, we have to stop. Stop thinking you got to blow up. What if God doesn't want you to blow up, but just the, the trailblaze for somebody else that's going to blow up after you. But you had a part to play in the blow up. And then everything gets blowed up. <laughs> Can I have an amen, y'all? And so our obedience helps us to position ourselves for this. The Apostle Paul says this. But as in verse 4, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our heart. And God is going to test our hearts. Sometimes God is going to test your heart where he gives you an opportunity to do something. And on purpose, nobody's going to like it. I remember when I first started preaching. Started preaching, I get up there. and I just had, I had a beautiful message. Five-point sermon. I practice all my syllables and vows. And I even knew some King James back then. Come up hither, the Lord saith that. I was deep, man. And I had everything all planned up. And, and I get it all ready. And I'd be practicing in the mirror. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm trying to practice. I've got to get better. You know? I'm practicing in the mirror. And I'm looking at my body language and doing all this stuff. And I get up there and I open my Bible and I'd have my message already and then I start stuttering. And I get nervous and I'm and the Lord says 
Now, where was that scripture at? I was looking for it, and I thought I had it on my notes, and then I, I would mess up, and not, I'd write down the wrong scripture, and then I couldn't find the one I was looking for, and, and everybody looking at me crazy, like, and they and they say, and they looking at their pastor, like, how did he get in here? Who, who let him... Who let him preach? Why did you let him preach? Like, we only let him preach because we're trying to write and invite the Verder fans to come. We didn't know he was going to do all this. And then, I'm telling y'all the truth. And then I go home and I'd be driving on my way home. And I'd be like, honey, did you like that message? Well, it was good, you know. It was good. It was good, honey. My wife would tell was that a good message, honey? Did you, was I flowing? It was, it was good. It was good. It was, it was good. <laughs> then I go back to my prayer closet. I go back to my prayer closet. I'm like, Lord, what happened? I forgot everything. And the Lord started reminding me, you're doing this for an audience of one. Stop trying to, stop trying to, now you're going to have to get better at this stuff. And God would, you know, I got to, I'm, I'm growing. But I started realizing that my motivation isn't just, listen to me, saints. Your motivation can't be just to please please the people that you're sitting next to and to be impressive. Motivation has to be, was I obedient? Well, thank you for joining us for Times of Refreshing with our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman. This program is the production of The Well Christian Community. And we pray today's broadcast has blessed you and has encouraged you in Christ. If it has, would you take a moment and let us know? There are several ways that you can contact us. First, by mail. The Well Christian Community. Address your envelope to 2333 Neeson Drive. That's here in Livermore. The zip code is 94551. You can also stop by our website, learn more about us, and drop us an email. Thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net. And then, of course, by phone, 925-292-7800. That's 925-292-7800. As you visit our website, don't forget to look for the link to our Facebook page. And if you're on Facebook, simply search The Well Christian Community. You can even follow Pastor Napoleon on Twitter with the address at Napoleon Kaufman, all one word. Until next time, may Jesus Christ be highly exalted in your life and may he bring you a peace that passes all understanding. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.